0: I
1: don't think parents congratulate kids when they come out every time. I know I will if that happens here. <laughs> and
0: Michael Lucas. I'm
1: Michael, I'm from
2: the
0: suburbs, I can't play sport and would anyone like to watch Aladdin on VHS? <laughs> this is Emsolation.
1: You also enjoy tragic, dramatic, over-the-top, completely wound-up, bonkers divas. That's true.
0: <laughs> You're in Emsolation.
1: Hello. Welcome to Emsolation. My name is M. Rossiano. I'm a stand-up, a writer, a singer, a maximalist power queen, and I'm your host. Joining me... <laughs> I'm feeling self-conscious because I'm recording in an area where my family can hear me. <sighs> Joining me shortly will be my best friend since I was 11 screenwriter, Mr Michael Lucas. And together, well, look, we'll be chatting about the earthquake that literally just occurred in Melbourne, the Emmys have happened, the final episode of his incredible show, The Newsreader aired, and we touch on an element that you may not have appreciated. There's a very, very personal Michael Lucas story interwoven into the final episode of The Newsreader. So um, he talks a bit about that. I've got a bit teary actually. So we've had the earthquake and I... <laughs> We talk about it, Michael and I talk about it, but I want to talk about it from an emotional standpoint. We make jokes about it and we make jokes hopefully in the knowledge that there wasn't any serious injuries. There's been some building damage on Chapel Street um, in Paran in Melbourne, but thankfully and luckily nothing too serious that we know of. But it just, I have to be honest with you, as a Victorian it just feels like the final horseman of the apocalypse has arrived because <laughs> we've had a lot of unrest obviously with the riots that have been going on um, with the tradies and just generally the pandemic and the, the five years' worth of lockdown and the, homes, the home remote learning and the no work and it's been a lot. And an earthquake, look, it feels very on brand for 2021, I have to say. But I'd sit here like, as soon as the house stopped shaking and our house really shook, I kind of sat down and I thought, yeah, cool, 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 that'd be fucking right. (laughs) We've had the fires. We've had the plague. Now we have the earthquakes. It's just, it kind of feels like, do you feel like Mother Nature kind of grabbed a hold of Victoria and just was like, stop being so fucking stupid, just gave us a shake, something like that? If that's the case, I get it. I get it. It's like, you know when you when your kids misbehaving in public and you bend down on your knee and you grab their little arm and you whisper in the ear, "You're going to stop doing this right now because when we get home, I will be putting your monster truck in the microwave if you don't stop this bullshit." <laughs> and you smile at everyone else. My kids know that if I quiet clenched teeth yell, they are in way more trouble than if I'm walking around the house shouting generally. <laughs> I do it with Scott too. I do it with Scott too. I grab his arm and he's, my husband, something comes over him when we're in public and around people. He takes jokes 5% the wrong way. There's your partner. You, are you, people would, I think people would assume it would be me, but No. Scott has this warped bit of him, he'll crack a joke and then he'll just, when you think he's going to turn right and it's going to peter out into a comfortable existence, he just like takes it left and everyone feels a bit like they need to shower. So when he does that, I do the quiet, the nails in his forearm. Are you going to stop that now? Oh <laughs> I smile. I'm very good at that. I think that's a skill you have to really hone when you get into a relationship with a straight man or if you have children. <laughs> anyway, what I want to say to you is I feel rattled spiritually, from the earthquake, I mean, I was physically rattled, but I also spiritually feel a bit like, oh, fucking hell, destabilised because we were literally destabilised. And now the way that I'm feeling in my head, in my soul, in my, my mental state, it, was, it, it came to life, it came to fruition. Anyway, it was actually, I'm going to be honest, It was not, it's nice to think about something other than everything else. It, it, it's been a. It's been like a jolt. Another. It's The metaphors today, mate. Anyway, how are you? I had to just do an interview with the Guardian, um, talking about you guys, <laughs> talking about insulation, talking about the podcast, my gateway podcast, the first podcast I ever listened to, and I. It was um, This American Life.
2: WBZ Chicago. It's This American Life. I'm Eric Glass.
1: It was a specific. Episode that I'm gonna get Marcella to link to. And it was um I'm gonna I've got my notes here. Let me look up the notes. It was called What's Going On There? Go look it up. This American Life. And it's two stories, it's over two episodes. And the second story is the one I loved most. And it was around Larry, who's a 20-year-old um, Chinese American kid, and his father He never really has had a good relationship with his father because his father works very hard and doesn't really speak English well.
2: So Larry's 20 years old, he's a student, and he's wondered what's going on in there his whole life about his own father. Larry's dad immigrated from Fujian province to America before Larry was born. Came here with nothing, worked 15 hours a day at a Chinese takeout restaurant that he owned. So Larry never saw him much, let alone talked to him. Larry's parents never tried to teach him Chinese, so Larry only speaks English. His dad only speaks Chinese, which, Larry says, is something that happens in the Fujianese community. Some of his friends can't talk to their parents either. And in Larry's case, he has always wondered what was going on in his dad's head.
1: So they've always had a bit of, you know, broken conversations, but they never really bonded like father and son. And he's always viewed his father as a workaholic that didn't really notice him or value him. And anyway, they had a translator come in because his father speaks a very specific dialect that's not common. And This American Life, they had a translator come in and they had their first real conversation ever. Oh, my God, the tears. And his father was working because he was wanting to provide for his family and he was very proud of his son and he noticed all these things about his son that his son didn't think you know. of. Anyway, it was just one of those things that made me feel a certain type of way. And at the moment, I am like a heat-seeking missile for things that make me feel human and make me feel warm and good and remind me of the good in the world. So... I can thoroughly recommend the, the first part of that episode, what's going on there from this American life is really traumatic. So, and I'd give you a, a trigger warning. It's about a, a young girl in an abusive relationship. So don't listen to that one if you, if you know, it, it, it's triggering. So the second episode of that is the one I listened to about Larry and his dad and it was so great. I revisited that before the interview, but I got a chance to kind of, I'm becoming podcasting in general's unofficial spokeswoman, And I love it because I'm genuinely passionate about this this medium. So it was great. So I'll let you know when that article comes out, but I talk about the community and, you know, you guys. And speaking of, holy shit, if I ever go missing or I need a crime solved, I'm not going to call the police. I'm going to tell my family, I'll instruct them. Just pop it on the m Facebook page, the group, the m Facebook group. Oh, I, (laughs) you know what I'm going to say? The masked singer escalation is intense. You guys, it's pretty funny. And regardless of if you think I'm on it or not, um, I'm enjoying the fact that it's really given you a passion and a focus, I have to say. But also, win, lose, or draw, and whatever ends up happening if I'm on it or not. And in the spirit of the show, I'm not going to say if I'm on it or not because I don't want to, like, I don't want to ruin it. And so many of you, I feel like if I sat here now and said, it's not me, stop it, it would destroy a lot of your dreams and it would take away your hobby. So whatever happens, it's good for me that you guys are chucking my name out there so much. God, feel free. talk, Get me trending on Twitter. I encourage it because it it makes maybe a TV network will be like, ah. She's got a bit of an audience. Maybe we need to give her a TV show. So keep going. Go hard is what I say. I did watch The Masked Singer last night because of all the hype around it. I reckon Anastasia is definitely the vampire. A hundred percent. Oh, my God. That voice. Either that or Vanessa Amorosi. But I don't know. I'm tossing up between the two. I can't tell. Um, Mahalia Barnes was robbed. I don't know. I don't know who is, but Mahalia Barnes was robbed. She is a great singer. So um, I thought all the other performances were very good as well. Love Dolly. I love the Toilet Dolly aspect. That's so funny. A lot of people don't get the Toilet Dolly aspect, do they? Who's the other one left? Oh, Kebab can sing. Jesus Christ. I think Kebab is, I think I know who Kebab is. I think. They have a very distinctive voice. Anyway, thank you for the passionate investigative situation that's going on in the m Facebook group. And I'm not going to say either way. I don't ruin it for you or for anyone. Uh, I don't know when I would have done it. I don't know how you'd, I don't know when you think I would have had time to do that in hard lockdown in another state, sure. But I don't think facts are really weighing into this at the moment, so that's cool. All right, that's enough from me. I'm going to bring Michael Lucas in now. Um gets a bit emotional, this episode. We're both kind of feeling it. It does get a bit emotional. It there's, yeah. I'm just, it's good, it's good, it's fine, it's great, it's typical. All right, that's it. Ah, before I go, I should have said this first. We're selling merch. Uh, We had, so we had all this merch we were going to sell at the Great Australian Podcast Festival. Obviously that got cancelled and instead of cancelling the merch because my merchandise company is really obviously struggling because there's no live events and that's what they make merch for, we decided to still do the run so they had business and obviously, the cash flow helps us here at M we So, we've, the t shirts are online now, mraciano.com. There's uh, more Maximalist Power Queen t shirts, more sizes. And we've done a print, a t shirt of the uh, Magical Unicorn of Death and the Enchanted Seahorse of Hope print that Jess from High Tees did so um, for us. So, please go and buy yourself one, we'll represent the podcast, sell us out. It makes a huge difference because we're not putting on that show anymore so we're not getting paid. And it's just nice to see the merch out and about, to see your support for us, which is massive and huge, and I feel it. I just want you all to know I feel extremely seen by the Emsolation community. Um, and a big shout-out to Marcella, who's doing an incredible job, my daughter, on the socials. They're just getting better and better, aren't they? If you're not following Emsolation on Instagram, you're only getting half the story, and that is a RuPaul Reference and only a few of you will get it. But make sure you're following us on Instagram at podcast. All right, play the music.
0: M. Luciano and Michael Lucas. This is MSLation.
1: Well, fresh from the harrowing experience of sitting in his study when the 6.0 magnitude earthquake struck. Michael Lucas, you survived the earthquake of Melbourne 2021. I
2: did. I did. And you know what? You were the first person I called.
1: Yeah, I know. I was like, and I took that as a privilege. You, I was on the phone to my dad, which is the only reason I didn't phone you because I dad phoned me straight away, straight away. And I was like, I'm okay. It's all okay. He's like, oh, well, I reckon that was about a 5.7. My dad has no experience in any sort of seismic tectonic studies, but he was bloody spot on. They're pretty
2: accurate, yeah. A mm-hmm. little, little underestimation by Vinci, but other than that, bang <laughs> on.
1: So crazy. It's just, it was one of those things where I just questioned my sanity because I was standing upstairs. We've got this annex in our house. It's all windows and wood, mm. essentially at the top of a tree house. And it started shaking, and my brain was not computing. And I was like, and so I had to grab onto the wall. And I'm like, Scott. And then he was like, I know. And then I said, Is that an earthquake? And then I, and then um, you, you text me, and my dad called me straight away. And I was like, Shit! So I, I ran to Twitter, which I never do. Mm. This is this is where Twitter is like comes
2: into its own.
1: Yeah, yeah. And all of us, it was like somebody tweeted. I think it was Brooke. I it was a great tweet. He said, The earthquake has turned Twitter into a classroom on a windy day at school. You know, when you oh. all get sent inside and we're all inside looking at okay, what's going on, what's going on, what's going on. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But also, I mean, what, I've got what, my two favourite tweets.
1: What are, what are yours? Oh, the other thing is, I. Felt anxiety instantly about the rush for memes and jokes that were going on. Oh, that, me too. Me too. Well, my, like,
2: my first thought was, it's a pity we weren't recording the pod because we were due to in a couple of hours. I thought that would be magic. But anyway. I'm so
1: proud of you. I'm so proud of you for having you. that. What That's an real, evolution. Yeah. What a broadcaster you're becoming. So, what we, yeah, okay. So, favorite, I can't believe it's only been like two hours and we've already got favorite tweets. Go. My
2: s- second favorite was Zoe Skoomsma, who said, I'd literally sat down to work, opened a document, and there was immediately an earthquake. My procrastination powers are evolving to God level. I mean, (laughs) respect.
1: Good, good.
2: And then my absolute favourite was Patrick Linton who wrote, guys, I just came really hard. Did anything else happen?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh, I love it. I haven't looked enough. I've just been trying to process. It's like... The irony of all these buildings falling down and there's a bunch of tradies. (laughs) Yeah. Like did did they all just down tools? Did they all just look at each other mid-protest and go, shit, you know, like when Batman gets the bat signal, did all the tradies just look at each other and go, we got to go. we got to go, guys, guys, get on the chops. It's going to be work. It's funny, like there's been a lot of. Not all tradies. Obviously, if you know if you're not across it, there's been huge protests happening in Melbourne, really scary actually, so much so that I've had to not like engage. I, was, with
2: I haven't with. even told you about this, but I ended up embroiled in part what? of it. What? Yes. What? Well, I mean, behind a wall. But so our office for five bedrooms, do you need mm. to set this up first? And then it's worth it.
1: No, but this setup is just the last three days, and I'm sure everyone knows there's been footage everywhere. There has been really violent riots happening mm. in the city. From um, tradies who don't want to get vaccinated and um, also who because now if you want to work in the construction industry, you must be vaccinated basically. So it's been a huge thing that's happening in Melbourne. Okay, you set the scene.
2: The five bedrooms production office is in like an industrial sort of warehousey thing that is just off the freeway. And so when the police were breaking it up and pushing them off a the freeway, they came off the turnpike and they ended up outside our office, swarms of them, and came into the car park and our car park of the office became where they all went to have a piss. Because they were like that oh so they were God. like all around our car.
1: Did you see any of them doing any uh Cheeky lines? Did well, you see that I heard video? That, that was
2: happening. <laughs> yeah, but 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 I did we didn't see any of that. But there, but the weird thing is, <laughs> there was a double drama. Because it, at the same time Completely separate to this. Apparently, a baby seagull had got stuck in a drain in the car park. No! So our valiant production coordinator, Vula, was out there trying to rescue the baby seagull. And then the swarms of construction worker rioters came in were being all drunk and disorderly. And Vula, God love her, she took them on. She screamed at them, yelled at them to get away, and they chucked water bottles at her. And at the same time, she was being swooped by the mother seagull. It <gasps> was one of the most, I will forever think of Vula, who is about five foot two tall, yep. taking on a pack of tradies in order to save the trapped baby, baby seagull. It was just an absolutely indelible moment.
1: So was the baby seagull
2: okay? Eventually, yes. But when I came out, everyone was so breathless and telling the story of what had happened, the altercation. And I didn't understand, like I was kind of like, did the tradies put the baby seagull in the drain? And everyone was like, no, completely separate drama. We were having one drama trying to save the baby seagull and then the riding construction workers came and then we had to deal with that as well. So it was God. all go. I mean, talk about, you know, the real drama's behind the scenes. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. I wonder if, no, the tradies, no. I was thinking, like, would that have stopped them down if there was an animal rescue happening? But then weren't there Do You would
2: hope that they would... Pull it together, but no, there's footage of them kicking dogs. Kicking it was, dogs, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I think it's also important to point out um, yes, there's a not all tradies movement happening. Um, that I did read a tweet from a doctor that said they can barely keep up with demand from construction workers and sparkies and, and chippies coming in for their vaccines. Like they are completely booked out by people within the trade industries wanting to be vaccinated. So, you know, obviously, we're at pains to say this is. Not every single when we say tradies, it feels a bit mean. It's kinda of like. Oh if no, someone, of course. Like if, if someone was saying writers, all writers, all comedians are writing and and I did I mean, I did have a very powerful joke. I mean, it's not often I come up with a good joke that I can just not workshop, but I Had a moment on Twitter yesterday where I thought... Oh, what a moment. Thank you. I mean, it was exciting. It was exciting for lots of reasons because often I think of funny things or I forget them, but I was sitting in front of my computer and I was watching the riots and in my mind I thought about what would happen if the arts decided to riot. And then I quickly, I didn't think about it enough, I wish I had have got the fame opening credits. That was, like, workshops oh, later. Oh, no,
2: what you had was, uh, I yeah. thought it was pitch perfect. Absolutely okay. pitch perfect. If Feels you'd like, had more yep. time, it just, it was so perfect when it landed. Okay. I was early on in the retweet. I think you already had about 20 by the time I retweeted and then I yeah. looked again and you're in the hundreds and hundreds. Yeah,
1: oh, it's thousands now. Oh. So it's um, actual footage of the arts community preparing to write this weekend and it was a flash mob of people doing, like, think about the opening scenes of... Um, What's the movie with Emma Stone and, and um, Ryan la Gosling? La, land. la La Land. Mm. Yeah, it was like a La La Land rehearsal. And I honestly, first of all, couldn't believe no one else had thought of that joke and I was so proud of it. And then um, a male comedian ripped it off on Instagram, didn't credit me. <gasps> mm-hmm. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I let him know with the little emoji with the little inspector glass underneath it.
2: <laughs> I never <laughs> has an emoji strip Such fear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god, that baby seagull story is going to stay with me for a long time. It was Gosh, so dramatic. It's amazing. Good for Vula. Mm. Now, before we get into everything, um, we've survived the earthquake. We've talked about the baby seagull and the riots. Your the final episode of Newsreader aired on Sunday night, and it was just it was so great. It was such. And I texted you, and I said, "This is an achievement. You're not attached to another creator. This is all yours." And I turned around on bloody Rob. Ugh. I can't um,
2: believe it. I'm so happy. I thought you might. He's so he's Stephen kind of is that person only less um he's less confident in real life. He's shyer in real life. You would you would did love him. You can't help no, but I can't have help. met
1: him. I have met him briefly when I was um, in St Kilda and the entire That's cast right. of Five Bedrooms was having a dinner and Kat spotted me and waved me over and we and I did chat to him briefly. But the moment I fell in love with him, like properly on the newsreader, was when he was at the payphone at the pub. Yeah. And he called Nolene. Yeah. And he was like, What if I called you up as myself and actually on a date? And then he did it. I was like, oh
0: Yeah, right. So what are you? Are you saying I can just ring as me Rob and ask you, Nolene, out for a a drink? Yeah, you can do that. Okay. Hey, Nolan, it's me Rob. (laughs) Um, would you like to come out for a drink at the pub after the bulletin? Where, you know, there, there might be people from work?
2: Well, I've got a lot to finish up
0: here. Might be a couple of hours.
2: Oh wait. See you later. Alligator. I know. Classic rom com move, and just <laughs> so well executed by him. And also, can I? I have to give him full credit. Yeah. Um, the decision to like you know goes. Can I just call us me Rob? I didn't have that. He went back like when he started saying the next line that he went back and he went, Hey Knowles, it's me Rob. I didn't have that. Stephen added that in. So oh. genius. So genius. Anyway, no, so but cute. also it was so great and everything. But you know what? I like, after that, because I knew it was all building towards Dale's big, you know, confession, meltdown, everything mm. to um, uh, Helen. And I, obviously I've written some personal things in the past, but let's be real. Except for some moments with Harry in five bedrooms, I've never written anything that personal. Like that was really quite personal.
1: Can you explain that though? You're uh, explaining what you mean by personal. Explain that. I know what you mean, but tell the listener.
2: Well, you know, for, for you know, I didn't, I didn't come out properly until my, like, I didn't come out fully to everyone until thirty. It was this horrible, long, protracted thing from about twenty-five to thirty, and I had girlfriends and then boyfriends, and then I was all over the place, and I was hurting people, and I, it was really painful. It still, it still stands out as, you know, that's that's been the most difficult thing I've had to face in life, and I've never put it, I've never really, except for Harry and Five Bedrooms, a little bit. I've never mm. really, really gone hard into that pain of all of that. Mm. But, um, yeah, the character of Dale was a way for me to do that. And, um, and I'm really glad I did. And I'm really glad that people responded to it. And Anna was so beautiful in that scene. And I love that that scene's out there, but also I felt like I'd been run over by a steamroller afterwards, like the whole next day. I don't know what it was. There was just something about having it out there that I, I just felt. And what I kept thinking of actually was I kept thinking of you doing the evil queen show. Because, like, that was a painful thing for me to bring up. But that show, mm-hmm. okay, that was when you went into, like, everything that, with Tirei, which is the most searingly painful thing. But also, all I, I'd made the show by the time it went to air. I just had to lie on the couch in a fetal position. You had to freaking perform it and then get up the next day and perform it again. And now that I have had a taste of going into that sort of most difficult territory, I just, I don't know how you did it. I really don't. How did you not have a nervous breakdown?
1: It's funny you bring this up because we are going to talk about the Emmys and Michaela Cole Mm. um, who won for Outstanding Writing for a limited series, The I May Destroy You, uh, Masterpiece. Mm. And the idea of uh, using your trauma for entertainment kind of is a big thing, and especially around female comedians, I think. Mm. And I've been really reflecting on that and I think, I don't think that show would have happened Now, I think that show happened, the Evil Queen show was around my miscarriage and I was still processing my miscarriage when I did it and I was also in a really combative, traumatic environment at work at the time. Mm. So I'm still kind of processing that but I think I also truncated my trauma to be able to make it entertaining and we – yeah, I I don't know how I did it. I I know that it had deep, long lasting, negative, profound effects on my mental health that I'm still processing now. Mm-hmm. But I think for you, I mean, putting your coming out trauma and it was a traumatic process. I was by your side from when it started, and it I watched I watched how it was like slowly eating you away, and and I and I, it was hard. It was hard to watch you go through it. So. I always wondered when you would tell that story and mm. so that, to see you tell it on Sunday night, I know and, and I was really emotional for you, I know how hard that would have been and of course you're in the fetal position the next day because when you give such a deep piece of yourself to the public and it's out there, it's not yours anymore to control but also you don't know how other people are going to react and are they going to undermine it, are they going to make fun of you for it if you've done the wrong thing, are you going to traumatise other people? Yeah. It's, it's totally. a lot. But ultimately, Michael Lucas, it's what makes good art.
2: So. Oh yeah, I agree. Yeah. I just didn't think it was gonna. Well, I thought that if it was gonna take something out of me, I would have felt the full magnitude of it before now. Like, yeah, I didn't think that the actual sense of it being out in the world was gonna um, be because the day it was shot was amazing because I didn't know what Sam was gonna do and mm. like and and all I knew was that he he kept saying that. He he didn't want any words changed in his speech and that he, he, he all he kept on saying is it's so sad. And then he got there and just I just couldn't believe it when we were watching it. And Anna reacted she, we, she was going to be much more restrained as Helen. That was the plan. She was just going to take his hand and say, I'll, I'll go out there with you. And that's all she was going to say. And then in the end, he was so amazing that she went all the way to say, I love you just the way you are, which is the most amazing improv. But it was kind of like that his performance of it demanded that. I can't go up
0: there like this. You're going to be just fine. I'm going to be right next to you. I
2: love you just the way you are. <laughs> Yeah, so that was a big day, but for some reason, yeah, man. It, anyway, yeah, I just kept of thinking. Course. Imagine if I was M, <laughs> and I was feeling like this, and I had to get up and do do perform it again yeah. tonight.
1: Yeah, Jesus Christ, I, I know. And I also I know now a lot of that is undiagnosed ADHD, the chronic oversharing, the impulsivity, the inability to emotion, uh, regulate my emotions, uh, looking for validation. Yeah. shared experiences. All of those things are symptoms of ADHD. And now that I'm kind of on top of it and a bit more protective of my peace, I, I don't think that show would happen now. I just don't. I, I'm really not interested in monetizing my trauma anymore, um, which is a big deal because every show I've ever written has been about. The, you know, Divorce the, the
2: musical. That was mm-hmm. one of your first breakthrough shows.
1: Yeah, and yeah. again,
2: that was very much a, 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 a that wasn't like some resolved thing that no. you were like reflecting back on. Yeah, yeah, you you go there at the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I will always continue to go there. But now I've and I listened to um Brene Brown say something that, and I know, I know, quoting Brene Brown, how um, middle aged white woman of me, um, but she said. You're only ready to publicly talk about your trauma when other people's opinion of it doesn't matter to you. And that's where I've got to get to with stuff like this show. I'm going to do a show around ADHD and the lockdowns, but I'm still working through that. So that may not happen for another couple of years. Mm. And it's going to happen when I'm ready. But that impatience in me and the wanting to capitalise on it straight away when it was happening, when it was fresh and I could tap into it, um, was part of the ADHD. So Mm. I don't, yeah. But... Well done. How has this you. ended up about me?
0: M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. Yes. Is, 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 is
1: Obviously the Emmys happened this week and it was a five hour extravaganza. It was like they were trying to make up for the lack of it, like last year. <laughs> it's mm. like we're gonna do five hours. And um there was no masks, no mentions of really COVID. Um there was no social distancing either. Seth Rogen, a noticeably slimmer and made-over Seth Rogen. Have you seen? Have you yeah. seen the footage of him in the orange? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gosh, jeez, someone's had a makeover montage in their life. <laughs> um, he had this to say.
0: Um. Anyway, good to be here at the Emmy Awards. Let me start by saying there is way too many of us in this little room. What are we doing? They said this was outdoors. It's not. They lied to us. We're in a hermetically sealed tent right now. I would not have come to this.
1: So it sounds kind of like he felt like he was tricked into coming to the Emmys because he said he was told it was outdoors. I don't know. Um, The other things to note is that the winners in all of the 12 major acting categories were straight and white.
2: Well, a oh. part of it was the, the Crown really dominated, and you know we watch a, We watch that show, obviously. The documentary The Crown. Yes. Documentary The Crown. Yeah, but I was kind of surprised at how much it dominated. I mean, yeah, sure, I'd sling one Gillian Anderson's way as well, but come on, Olivia Colman. I mean, she that she's done that role before, and mm. I felt like she had better anyway. Whatever. I mean, it's a you know obviously it's an incredibly well made show. I was just surprised at how many awards it won.
1: Well, yeah, no, there was forty nine non Anglo nominees. Uh, no queer people, openly queer, and none of them were, like, one. So, you know, it was RuPaul's Drag Race one for Outstanding Competition Program, which I didn't even know was a category. Amazing. I'll be the judge of that. Um, And, of course, Michaela Cole, who we want to talk about. Uh, But, no, a big shout-out to Gillian Anderson, first win since 1997. Thank you,
2: Mum. Amazing. What a career.
1: Jesus. I I told you, I send you pictures of her all the time. I'm obsessed with her. I... Just get the best vibes from her. I don't know. She just strikes me as this. You'd want to sit with her in comfortable, like, scarfy caftans, drinking gin, like, lamenting the state of society. Like, I just. There's something I just want
2: to be. I, I feel like she's so cool and aspirational, but also I feel like weirdly she's running her own race and she yep. kind of doesn't give a fuck. And no. I, I love that quality in her. I agree. And I just love, I was obsessed with her back in the 90s when she was on X-Files and it's so good when your teenage obsession, I mean, yes. has could she have paid off more? I mean, just yeah. the run, it's just yeah. been incredible.
1: I know, so great. So she obviously won for the first time in ages. Um, Ted Lasso took out a lot. I kind of refused to watch Ted Lasso. Because I don't like the way Jason Sedakis is behaving about uh, towards Olivia, his ex fiance. Oh,
2: um, I'm not even across that. It's a very charming show, though. Well, you
1: know she's dating Harry Styles. Oh, have I said the right guy?
2: Yeah, of course. I'm obsessed with that. Is that Jason right? Sedakis Is yeah. the actor right?
1: Who used to yeah. be married to Olivia? Right. You
2: know, no. I'm a, I'm certainly across her and Harry. Yes.
1: So he's been it seems seemingly so he was blindsided by it. I don't know. But there's just a few times in interviews for Ted Lasso that he's kind of gone to it a bit and I just feel like, dude, just let it go. She's a mother of your kids. You've been replaced by a younger man. Yes, it hurts. I don't know. I've just felt a bit weird towards him. But he's the star of Ted Lasso and everyone loves it or hates it. So maybe I should watch it. I don't know. Anyway, Michaela Cole. Um one for outstanding writing for a limited series. And she was up against, by the way, Mayor of East Town writer, mm-hmm. Queen's Gambit writer, and the Division writers. And there were some cracking episodes of WandaVision. Oh,
2: yeah. Amazing yeah. category.
1: Yeah. And she, and uh, it made me realize now my attention span only allows for limited series. <laughs> I'd watched all of them.
2: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, limited series are an awesome form.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Gives you more than a movie but not too much that you have to like commit for a long time. Anyway, this, she got up and when they announced her name, first of all, she sat there and she took a moment for herself, which is unheard of. And then she got this incredible pep talk from Cynthia Erivo, who, as you know, I'm a massive fan. I, I yeah. love her so yeah. much. And Cynthia lent in while Michaela was gathering herself and put her hand on her shoulder with her perfectly amazing like talent claws and I don't know what she said. Fuck, I wish I knew. Someone's got to get a lip reader. I want a Cynthia Arrivo pep talk. I want this pep talk. And she said stuff. And then you just see Michaela like just click in. And she stood up. And I, was, I had goosebumps before she took to the podium. And then she got up there and she composed herself again. And then she delivered the shortest and most powerful speech of the night. Take yeah. note, Queen's Gambit director, Frank, whatever your name is. Fucking Darabon, I think, wasn't it? Wouldn't get off the stage, Michael. Mm would not get off the stage. Jennifer, your support has been nothing
0: short of heroic. Really? No. Um, I'm also grateful to the incredible array of actors, none of whom really needed much help from me and all of whom, seriously, stopped the music.
1: Like, it was, it was the most appalling display of white male ego I think I've seen at the Emmys and that's saying something. Anyway, here's the speech Michaela gave. Okay, thank you so much. I just wrote a little something for writers, really. Um, Write the tale that scares you, that makes you feel uncertain, that isn't comfortable. I dare you. In a world that entices us to browse through the lives of others to help us better determine how we feel about ourselves and to, in turn, feel the need to be constantly visible. For visibility these days seems to somehow equate to success. Do not be afraid to disappear from it from us for a while and see what comes to you in the silence. So everything about that was right.
0: Yeah. Everything
1: and and I don't know as a writer did you feel inspired? Oh,
2: 100%. I felt like who who else could ever get up there in such a short amount of time, like go right to the heart of what is so difficult about the world at the moment and ah oh, just so poetically and, and, and also it was it, there was a simplicity to it as well. Mm. it wasn't it wasn't too dense just the notion of oh, stepping away and what happened, you know, what comes to you in the silence. my God mm. yeah I think it's my favorite acceptance speech I've ever heard.
1: I agree. It, I think it's she completely nailed it and and made it about the people outside of that room. And mm. so often those speeches are a big, you know, circle jerk—a big, oh, well done, all of us, look at us, we've done such a great job, blah 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 blah. Mm. But she made it about the creators and the people consuming the the, the art, and oh, it really struck a chord with me—the idea of you're it, you're only successful if you're visible.
2: Visibility is success. I know.
1: And That's... I'll be honest with you, it was triggering for me because yeah. I feel that way. I feel. Overexposed and and I'm sick of myself. Um, but in my industry, it's a popularity contest, and you have to be top of mind, and you ha- people have to like you. My my whole job and income and success relies on people liking me, and that's really hard to reconcile.
2: Oh um, god, yeah, recipe for bad mental health.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and especially for a, a perfectionist, mm. you know, people pleaser. It's it's I'm in the worst possible industry for someone with my makeup. <laughs> so mm. when she said that, you know, visibility equates to success, I really, it really made me. And then the idea of like, we just kind of touched on earlier, uh, monetizing your trauma, you know, which Hannah, Hannah Gatsby also spoke about in Annette, that, that idea of that as a performer and especially female comedians, we owe the audience uh, permission and a punchline and release mm.
0: after they've just
1: listened to us talk about some of the most painful moments in our life. Mm. But and I am guilty of doing that and, it, and it's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. And um, I May Destroy You kind of focuses in around that. She's a writer in that. Who is, is, I don't want to give away people, but I found that series very hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time stunning, but also oh. it, it was hard. <laughs> and you kept saying to me, you have to watch it, you have to watch oh, it, have to watch it.
2: It's incredible. I mean, mm. it's, just, it's just on another level. It, I, it see, is. I thought that. I mean, it's wonderful that it won that category. But for me, I would have given that all the multiple actor I agree. winning. Yeah,
1: it was. Yeah, the whole thing is be- so beautifully acted and so fearless. It's fearless. It's not trying to be friends with anyone. It's not trying to placate anyone. It's just yeah. It was really good.
2: Imaginative. Like oh. Just when you think you've figured out where it's going and mm. everything, it just blows apart its own form. But it never loses you. Like it just mm-hmm. gets more and more compelling. God.
1: Mm. Anyway. And d- yeah, doesn't feel the need to follow the formula. It's, mm. it's good. So anyway, that was the big that that speech is still sitting with me and making me question how much I do put out there and why I put it out there and what my motivation is. And um yeah, it's I've just been turning over a lot on what I wanna put out next and what I'm working on and why do I put so much out there. <laughs> God. Another great moment at the Emmys was Jennifer Coolidge. Um, fuck, she's great. I don't know. Have you seen any of Cedric, the entertainer he's hosting? Have you seen any of that?
2: Um, I have saw Rita Wilson do a rap.
1: And that's probably where everything <laughs> fell apart, I think. <laughs> the fact that it was such a white Emmys, having Rita Wilson rap, Um yeah, he, his name is Cedric the Entertainer, which is really setting him up for... No. He was, he was not. <laughs> he did a sketch where he interviewed the fly on Mike Pence's head. Are you on? I've landed on cloud nine. Where are you? Oh, hey, sis. I see you. Shh, just act like you don't see me.
0: What are you doing? Hey, right foot, stop. Fly, come on, stay focused. Partner, I'm stuck. This white, billowy field of clouds smells like strawberries, but it's a cotton field of death. What's going on in there? Ah! Gorilla Glue ain't got nothing on this moose! Fly aboard mission! Abort your mission! Don't get your wings split!
1: 11 months
2: later. Yeah, look. Yeah, that is a little slow to that particular. Oh my
1: (laughs) god, imagine. Imagine Tina Fey must have been sitting there going, oh my god. What is happening? I'm so (laughs) mad. But Jennifer Coolidge, she was presenting Outstanding Lead Actor in a Comedy Series and in true Jennifer Coolidge style, she just coolidge would them. Uh, Here's what she had to say.
0: You know, besides all of these wonderful nominees, you know, being very, very funny and incredibly talented actors, you know, they have something else in common. What is it? (laughs) Well... I want you all to know, nominees, that you have overcome the incredible handicap in this business of being men. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Bravo, gentlemen,
1: wherever you are, wherever you are. She. She's yeah. just having. Oh. Can you cast her in something just so we oh, can get her? Oh, get her
2: now, she is incredible, <laughs> and I'm just so happy she's having this this incredible and that role in White Lotus is just one of the best roles of oh. any any actor's had. And I love that she's. I mean, she's going to win it next year. There's no question. Who else is going to trump her for best comedy actress? My God.
1: Woohoo! hoo! <laughs> <That's the, laughs> that moment on the boat—if you haven't seen White Lotus, where she just randomly she just cheers as, it, the cheers. For forever, well, Marcella and I it to each other all the time when we're having, a, when we're having cocktails at home. <laughs>
2: it's
1: so great. Um, I wanna, I've had a really deeply profound, and I kept texting you about it, I know you haven't watched it, speaking of Gillian Anderson, Sex Education Season 3 dropped on Netflix and I've been having these acid flashbacks to high school, which you were a part of, so thank mm. God you're my co-host on this podcast. Uh, You haven't watched it yet, have you, season three?
2: No, not season three, but I have done earlier.
1: So if you're not across it, Sex Education is a Netflix kind of show, I guess, kind of, not is, and it's like a coming-of-age sexual misadventures of teenagers in a a nondescript English town in a a nondescript time frame. Mm, It's hard to know. Is it set in the 70s? Is it set? Now is it set in the 90s, and I kind of love that about it. There's not a lot of rec- pop culture reference points, so you can pin them down, mm. and it's beautifully styled, and it's 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 one of my all time favorite shows. But season three, for some reason, uh, it's it's so it's not only like the coming of age for the kids, it's also a coming of age for their parents, which mm. I loved. And Gillian Anderson plays the main character Otis's mum, and she's a sex therapist, and fuck.
2: <laughs> Another role she was born to play. Incredible. Ah, ah.
1: And the opening, so I watch it with my kids, but the opening of every season is hectic sex. Like, and it's bawdy. It's unashamed. It's people wanking in the car with the jizz splodging on the windscreen and the, and the mum standing there beside them. It's. Head jobs. It's every look, like it's, and, and it's the kids engaging in it. It's hardcore. And so there's only like usually about five minutes of that per episode, but mm. it is confronting. So he's mm. sitting there first up and confronting. But I just wish, I don't know, I was watching it and I feel so nostalgic for high school because I feel like my experience has been reflected in this show in that it's remember, especially at our school, especially with mine and yours, social standings. We were just like these horny nerds outcasts. Although you found your <laughs> with
2: no one to put nowhere to with put the, the energy,
1: nowhere to put the energy, nowhere. No. And you eventually found your people, though, like the nerds united at our school. Like yeah. You guys- <laughs> but also, you left our
2: school. You 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 left to go to sporty school. Yeah. And then, and then there was a sort of a period of time in year 11 and 12 where actually the social strata sort of broke down. Like oh, post-Central Australia camp, it sort of all became pretty, everyone became pretty friendly. That was my memory of it anyway.
1: So I left in year 9 and you remember year 9 was peak.
2: Oh, that was bananas. So I
1: had to leave because I was getting bullied so badly by two girls because one of them was convinced I'd stolen her boyfriend. <clears throat> so now... The reason sex education, because Otis, the main character, ends up dating one of the very popular girls and mm. I somehow managed to date one of the most popular boys in the year level above Above. Me. Remember? Nothing,
2: yeah, nothing is more, <laughs> uh, no, nothing gives you more cred.
1: Nothing. Nah. And I was a skinny, flat-chested, short-haired, awkward sport girl who was often called a boy, and I just went with it, Um, I hung out with the boys and none of them ever looked sideways at me and then all of a sudden this one guy in year eight, who was the year above me, I was in year seven, and um, he said he liked me. And I was just like, what? What? Oh, my God. And then I was relentlessly targeted by another group of girls in our year level, the popular girls, when he started. And he was giving shit, but he stuck it out with me, this guy. And we dated for most of my time at that school. And I remember just... I'm watching this show just going back to all those feelings of like I remember I got used to get really bad sweat patches under the armpits. <laughs> <laughs> Our school uniforms were so tight and I spent so much time in the oh, girls changing They really
2: rooms. were who yeah. designed them? Why? Something and wrong short,
1: happened there. Short with zips, tight short That's with right. zips. Yeah. Yeah, and it was hectic and I remember any time I was going to see him at recess, I'd have to – I used to leave class early to go and dry my pits and I used to like have to sniff my crotch to make sure it wasn't like – not that he was going anywhere near my crotch but I was a sweaty, anxious teenager – and I didn't want that musty cheese smell that can come up from <laughs> sitting in a hot classroom. <laughs> so I'd be like, I'd be in the toilet, I was like checking, putting on my body shop lip gloss. Like just. The
2: overwhelming, <sighs> oh, did you remember the way the year eight, like yeah. common area, Jesus Christ, that smell, oh, I think it just worked its way into the wood panelling of the lockers <laughs> and just, yeah.
1: <laughs> it did, but I just wish... Like, we had Degrassi Junior High, obviously, as previously mm. discussed, and they went into some kind of messy territory.
2: Well, that was raw for the time. That's yeah, That was. was the best hookup you had for raw teen sex 100%. drama, and it was pretty tame. Oh, except yeah. for, well, Beverly Hills, obviously, but that gave mm. you nothing gave, use.
1: N- And none of us had that experience, especially not at our school. Definitely
2: no. not. Let's just put it, I, my experience was incredibly limited at high school, and <laughs> when I say limited i already told it.
1: No, tell the story. Tell the story of when you said I love you to the person we went to high school with. Well, tell everyone. I think we I just
2: sort of, someone else had outed me as, it was a her, so this yeah. is how, I mean, Jesus. You, this yeah. Is, yeah. You
1: liked a girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, and someone else confided in her. And so I said, I'll ring you tonight. And then I sort of said on the phone, it, it actually, it is, it is true. They weren't just shit I, I do actually, I, I, I like you. And there was this silence. And then she went, that's okay. I mean, everyone has to like someone and I just have to accept that you like me. And that was it. That was <laughs> what I got. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Did not kiss anyone until like the summer of like, like, uh, just finishing year 12. That's, yeah.
1: Wait, hang yeah. on. Wait. When yeah. was your first kiss? Like,
2: I've, I've already been through all of this as well. It was, it was, it was like, I, I was just in a rush to get everything done before I went to university.
1: I don't think <laughs> we have covered off this at all. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have your first kiss till year 12? No. Oh my god! Even this well, but keep
2: kid in the- mind the closeted factor.
1: Ah, uh, yes. You, I guess. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't get, I didn't have sex till I was nineteen. No, I was a and late. What a and memorable
2: then- entree you made. Exactly.
1: And then I was pregnant two years later. So <laughs> that is
2: just. Mm. I can't get my head around that. Well
1: done. But I, my first kiss was at a blue light disco, and I was thirteen, and I remember his name was Christian, and he had an earring, and he went to the local high school where all the hoodlums went, because mm. we we went to the hippie independent school, and then there was like a there's like a, a bad kid local high, it mm. was like drugs and mesos. and there was the, the the blue light disco at the roller ring, and he like, uh, I I remember I don't think he could, I don't know I think he was quite, probably drunk I don't know I I was surprised that I got a kiss out of him, and um. I remember we just we kissed and I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, is this my doing it right? Is there too much spit? Am I hitting his teeth? Like, And that was the last kiss I had until I'm making fun of you, probably year 10. <laughs> so you know this really cool boy. I've never said this out loud. Oh, my God. The the cool, sporty guy that I dated, you yeah. know, and uh, I yeah, know. Yeah, of
2: course I do, yeah. Yeah.
1: We never kissed.
2: What were no. you doing?
1: Holding hands aggressively. <laughs> Was it giving you some sort of sexual charge? I was so scared to kiss him, and I just so I was with this guy half a year seven, all of year eight, half a year nine.
2: Mm. We never kissed. Wow.
1: Oh, my God, I feel so relieved. It was such a source of shame.
2: Oh. Uh, you were just trapped in the should I initiate or should I wait till he initiates cycle, but you just <laughs> stayed there the entire relationship. <laughs> Look, your marriage has returned to that at certain points. So <laughs> True.
1: But I guess what I'm trying to say is after all that sex education, if you haven't watched it, please do. It's just the right antidote for what's yeah. happening right now. And a lot of us are in our late 30s, early 40s, lamenting the 90s, thinking about... Times that have gone past, watching our kids come of age and it's just capturing that. It made me feel a certain kind of way that I can't really articulate, but it was good. It was a mm. good feeling. So um you have to watch it. I, I, I well, No, don't. I've seen the
2: earlier ones. I will. I'll get on it. Don't worry. No, you'll love season three especially.
1: Yeah. I know you've had a lot. Of them. All right, God, we've covered a lot. <laughs> we have. <laughs> i got to go. I'm really sweaty after that admission. Um <laughs> I am. I'm just checking my list. I wrote a list for us. I think we got it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All good. Um, What are you doing? What are you doing today? What are you doing? What are you working on?
2: I'm going to watch a cut of episode six of season three of Five Bedrooms. (sighs)
1: So many people want to be in your place right now. All right. You go. Um, I'm so sweaty. Oh, my God. (laughs) Look at you. The trauma. It is. So much
0: trauma. The trauma and the erotic
2: charge. Okay. And the nurse. Talk
1: later. Bye. Okay, Bye.
0: This is insulation.
1: All right, that's it from me. That was a, that went everywhere, didn't it? I really am thinking about how I treat my drama from now on. Don't worry, I'm still going to be open about things and still going to do shows about tricky topics, but I'm going to wait until I've processed it first. Rather than doing it in the middle as part of my processing, it's a really bad idea. Okay, I don't recommend it. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Emsolation Podcast. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. Ben Wasley, our EP, sends out a beautiful newsletter, which the accompaniment to the show, every Thursday at lunchtime. Go and get yourself some Emsulation merch. Big shout-out to our patrons. Hello, darlings. I see you. I appreciate you. And, um, guys, have a good week. What have I got coming up? Oh, no. Just I don't even think. What do I got coming up, Chella? Packages. What? Is there an Amazon arrival? Oh my God! I have so many packages. Chella's just reminded me I have so many. Have you got a package? Oh, there's so. Many. I have obviously been buying everything online, and we've set up a photography studio. For those of you who saw Love Nundrums last week, um, we're going to be putting out a lot of green screen gear. It's like, oh my God, I am and Chella in Paris. All the backdrops are arriving. Um, every day, so there's a we, there's a little beep-beep that happens. Our lovely little delivery guy comes in, beep, and it's, oh, I run to the door. I run to the door the way Elio runs to me for a hug. It's just, it's a true relationship I have with the delivery guy. I'm so excited to see him. There's so many packages coming. Oh, my God, there's so much cardboard. There's so much cardboard. I can't even talk about it. Scott's very traumatised. All right. God, that got really sidetracked. Thanks for listening. Oh, that was... Just, That's horrible. That's not okay, the way I said that. Do you want to say anything, social media captain? Just quickly, they want to hear your voice. Before I go, just come up and say something. Like, just, she's coming up the stairs. She's coming up the stairs. Here's the coming up the stairs theme song. What do you want to say to everyone? Here she goes. No pressure. Go. Hi. What the fuck was that? (laughs) Don't laugh at your own joke, which was bad, by the way. Oh, I really gushed about sex education on this episode. Oh. Are you even okay about it? No. No, we're not I okay. Didn't... I feel like I didn't take it in properly because I was so just overwhelmed that it was here. Yeah. So And I did watch it all in one day, so I feel like I definitely need to watch it again. Yeah, sure. Okay, i got to go. I just saw the delivery van. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye. I, I didn't listen to anything you just said then. Like, I didn't hear one word because I was watching the delivery van. I'm sure it was... No,
0: it wasn't delivery van.
1: I'm gonna go back and listen. I zoned out. It doesn't
0: matter, I just said that I feel like I need to watch sex
1: education. Okay, don't recap it while we're recording because everyone just heard you.
0: Are you still <laughs> Bye, guys! Msalation with M. Rossiano is a Spotify exclusive podcast. Hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas. Executive produced by Benjamin Wasley. Produced by M. Rossiano. Edited by Ezekiel Fan at Entente Music. With videos by Liam O'Brien, Socials by Marcella Rossiano Barrow. With assistance from Jem Evans and Georgia Watts. Plus occasional technical wizardry, wine, and coffee from M's Dad Vincent. Get more Emsolation by following the Emsolation podcast on Instagram, where you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. You can join other Solators at the Emsolation group on Facebook. The answer is Harry Styles. If you love what we do, share this podcast with a friend and make sure you're following us on the Spotify app. Thanks for taking time out to listen to this week's episode and we look forward to chatting with you again soon.